Okay. From Maccabees. The king of this world will raise us up to live again forever. This January, a priest friend of mine, another pastor in the Diocese of Ogdensburg, Father Adrian Gallagher, died unexpectedly. You might remember hearing the news. He was the, the pastor in Bishop Lavallee's home parish over in Clinton County. Still just in his mid-50s. We priests face a lot of death, of course. The 70 candles on the high altar, reminders to us of either parishioners or those close to the parish who have died during this past year. But the death of Father Gallagher caught our attention, mine in particular. He was so, it was so sudden, he was so active, and he was so unprepared. I have to hope spiritually he was prepared, but Practically speaking, no will, no funeral preparations, no nothing. And such was a wake-up call to me and to a number of my brother priests. Since then, I can't speak for all of them, but I can tell you that I've taken care of my own arrangements. And so in this November, this month that we pray for the dead, I want to share a little bit about that with you. Under the umbrella question of why do Christians in general, and why do Catholics in particular, care about funerals? First of all, we care about funerals because this is not the end. Contrary to what the Sadducees said in the Gospel, they, they attest that it was, that it is, that when we breathe our last, that's it, game over. And in fact, you should know that that was not a radical thought in the first century for the Jewish people. In fact, go through the Old Testament. Many, many of the Jews of the day thought that this was it. It was about being God's chosen people in this life. It was about living well. But there wasn't a hope for everlasting life until Christ. And so the Sadducees, hearing of his teachings, they don't buy it. They only would buy the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, as being inspired. And in reading those, they didn't see anything that would say that there was clearly an afterlife, that there was a resurrection of the body, as we teach. And so they refused to do so. And then they give him this extreme case to prove Jesus wrong, of the seven brothers all marrying the same woman, one after another. And then their question, so if there is a resurrection, whose wife will she be? Because surely, as the Lord teaches in the Pentateuch, there is not to be polygamy. Well, Jesus answers first with their own parameters. He goes right to the book of Exodus, right? That end of the gospel that even Moses made known when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for God is the God of the living, not of the dead. He took them at their own terms. He took them the way he takes us, just the way we are. But loved them too much to let them stay in a worldview that had no resurrection. 
But then right at the core of the gospel today, he jumps right into the meat of it. He said, but that's, you're thinking of it in the wrong way. Heaven is not like that. People aren't given in marriage in heaven. Why? Because heaven is all about one marriage. Go through the scriptures. Go to the book of Revelation. Speak of, read to the letter to the Ephesians. I speak of a great mystery, St. Paul says. I speak of the marriage of Christ and his church. That is the one marriage in heaven. Jesus is not against marriage. And he, note, he doesn't say you won't know your spouse in heaven or that there aren't relationships in heaven or love in heaven or even bodies in heaven. He says we'll become like angels, but we do not become angels. I was on retreat, what, a week and a half ago now, and a friend of mine picked me up. She is one of the great bibliophiles of the world. Her thought of a good time was sitting down with a stack of books on a cold autumn day and just going to town. And she admitted as we were driving that one of the great causes of anxiety in her life is that she will not get to read all of her books before she dies. I don't share that worldview. <laughs> but I love that she does. And how reassuring it was for me to tell her, I really am confident that there will be books in heaven. What? She said. Yeah. There will be bodies in heaven. What will those bodies be like and how, what will they be doing? You don't have to be a bibliophile to uh, ponder these things. The kindergartners were last week. When I got back, I was looking for Mr. Doty, and he was in the kindergarten classroom at St. Catherine of Siena playing a, a song for the kids. And I don't remember how, but heaven came up in the course of the, the song. And one of the little kids, great theologian, five-year-old, raises her, her hand, but, but what do you do in heaven? Good question. And Mr. Doty, being a very wise headmaster, turned and said, Father Stitt! Way to pass the buck. So, hopefully in a moment of inspiration, I asked her, so what do you like to do? And she said, well, I like to sing. Good. There's singing in heaven. And then opened the floodgates. Well, a kid in the back room, I like to run. Good. There's running in heaven. I like to pray with Sarah. Good. There's playing with your friends in heaven. All of the goodness, all of the truth, all of the beauty of this life, we will find necessarily in heaven, just raised to another level, glorified, made all the better. God does not waste his creation. Heaven is for real. So that's the first reason why funerals matter. Secondly, because our bodies matter. I already alluded to this a bit, but we get into trouble because of that great Greek philosopher Plato. And for Plato, it was all about separating the soul from the body. The soul was good, the body was bad. And there's still a good chunk of our world, in particular some Christian quarters that buy into that, that heaven is is just for souls, but that's not what we believe. Yes, for the time being, 
That's where we're at. But at the end of time, the body and souls are to be together. That's why every Sunday when we stand up after the priest is done droning on for a while, we profess our faith and with that last line say, I look forward to the resurrection of the dead. At the end of time, that is what will come. The bodies will be raised up. We know not how. We've never seen it before and don't think zombie apocalypse, for Pete's sake. Glorified, not looking to eat brains, I can assure you. Go back to the first reading. You want more evidence of it. The second letter, the second book of Maccabees. Those seven Maccabee brothers, all fearlessly going forward to face torture from their, their Greek oppressors. It's at least a PG-13 rating, not to scare us with the tortures that they had to face, but to show that they have lived out what we also believe. The one brother in particular, putting out his tongue, extending his hands, saying, I disdain these, but I received them from God, and I hope to receive them back again. Do your worst. At the end, the bodies will be returned, glorified, the same, but better. And that's why funerals matter. Because bodies matter. And finally, funerals matter because prayer matters. I took the time to make all the preparations for my funeral. Yes, because, well, because I know I'll, I'll need the prayers. I, I'm in good health, to my knowledge. I expect to be around for a good long time. But God forbid something sudden were to happen. You can be sure I'm banking on your prayers. Yes, there will need to be readings selected. Yes, there will need to be good music selected. I put in requests for all those things. But mostly what we need, what we hope for, is the prayers of our loved ones with no better prayer than the Holy Mass. I know it's a lot for one Sunday morning homily. There's so much more to say. That's why the staff and I decided that this November we're going to have a, a presentation at the end of the month. We're calling it Prepare for Peace. See the bulletin. We're just getting out the inf information, but with plans to do so, to prepare for peace. That's what this is all about. That line from Maccabees, the king of this world will raise us up to live again forever. That's not just a nice thought. It's not just a, a good wish. When Father Adrian died... My fraternal charity for him led me to change my life and to make plans. But my knowledge of each of our mortalities and my pastor's heart hears these words and compels me to ask each of you to do the same.